You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad that you're here, especially if you are pregnant or a brand new mom. This episode is for you, and it's because I'm speaking with the amazing Jen Schwartz, also known as the Medicated Mommy. Jen is a postpartum depression and anxiety survivor and founder of Motherhood Understood, a platform addressing the importance of maternal mental health. Now, in this episode, we're addressing the prevalence of postpartum depression and anxiety in today's world. I mean, how could you not have it a little bit? But also key steps you could take to address it if it happens to you or someone you love. I think one of the most surprising things that Jen shared during this interview is that it's often the type A women who are you know, used to just rocking it in school, rocking it at work, um, who struggle with postpartum depression and anxiety the most. And with that comes a lot of shame and isolation. And so that's what I really want to break through today. I want this to be a catalyst for healing, for growth, for empowerment, so that this can't take you out, so that this can't make you feel less than you really are. Because I know we all want to be the best mothers, the best parents that we can be. And so understanding that there is nothing wrong with you, but there are things that you can do to get better, to get where you want to be. Um, it's incredibly important and incredibly empowering. And so that's what I want this conversation to do in the world. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing it out to those who need to hear it. And thank you for for doing the work. Even just listening to this is the first step in getting better. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. So enjoy this episode with Jen Schwartz. And this episode is sponsored by Cozy. Did you know that there's an organizing app designed just for families? If you've started to feel busy again, and for a lot of us, I think we never stopped, and your calendar is filling up with more events and kids' activities than all of last year, why not do your future self a favor and get Cozy? Cozy is the number one organizing app that families use to juggle school schedules, practices, meetings, doctor's appointments, and even a workout or a date night. Imagine that. And it was even named a must-have app for better life by the Today Show. With Cozy, you'll be all set up so everyone knows who is doing what, when, and where. Cozy will even send emails every morning with the day's agenda. How cool is that? So no more missed pickups or double bookings. And here's how it works. Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place with a shared color-coded calendar, and it's easy to get started. You can even pull in events from your family's personal work and school calendars. The best part? It's free. Just download Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store. That's C-O-Z-I to get the free app today. This episode is also sponsored by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely came to life in 2015 by Deanne Akerson, a mom of two, when she couldn't find any comfortable and functional pajamas to wear. As moms, we have to stick together, which is where Kindred comes from. And Bravely? Well, being a mom can be tough. It is definitely not for the faint of heart. Kindred Bravely is devoted to making life easier for pregnant and nursing moms, from breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and the most comfortable pajamas that I've honestly come across. And they use a lot of bamboo fabric in their clothing line, which I adore because it is so supple and so soft. Um, you really have to feel it to understand. And perhaps most importantly than her clothing is Deanne's mission to build a community of moms who support and celebrate each other. In fact, behind the scenes, Kendra Bravely employs more than two dozen work-at-home moms who share Deanne's mission and values. If you'd like to try out Kendra Bravely for yourself, be sure to use my code UNSTRESS20 to save 20% off your purchase at kindredbravely.com. Well, hello, Jen. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Me too. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah. Um, for the listeners who may not know who you are, there's probably not many. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of background about you and the pivotal events in your life that led you to creating Motherhood Understood and doing the work that you're doing these days? Absolutely. So I'm Jen Schwartz, um, for anyone who doesn't know me, and I'm the founder of a platform and community for moms affected by mental health issues called Motherhood Understood. And I basically created it out of not having the community I was looking for when I had my son. So he's eight now. So, you know, it's been a while postpartum. But when he was born, I suffered from very severe postpartum depression and was completely blindsided by it. It was something I never thought could happen to me, which I think partly because I wasn't educated fully about what it was or the spectrum and range of what it could be. And I was ashamed. And I really felt like when I was pregnant, I was excited to be a mom. I chose to be a mom. Um, You know, we had help lined up. I had a supportive family and a supportive partner. And this just hit me like a Mack truck. And I couldn't understand why I was the only one on the planet, which obviously we know isn't true. But at that time, I felt like I was the only one on the planet who sucked at motherhood and didn't like being a mom. And it was like this dirty little secret that happened, you know, that I felt like I was keeping when I had him. And I had no clue that there were thousands upon thousands of other women who were going through or had gone through similar things because nobody was talking about it. And what I would do was I would go online and I would desperately search for stories from other women when they could tell me when they would get better, what they were feeling. And everything was very surface at the time. It's much better now. I mean, we still have a ways to go, but a lot more people are really talking openly and honestly about their true feelings. But when I would look, I wouldn't be able to see myself in any of these stories. And it was very surface. And so I didn't create the platform until I was better. But I knew when I was struggling and when I was sick that in some way I had to somehow share what I went through and what I learned because I felt like nobody did that with me. You know, Mm -hmm. nobody mentioned mental health to me when I was pregnant. No doctor, no friend, no parent. So I really had no clue what to do when it happened. I just got lucky as far as getting the right health and getting on the path to treatment. And when I did get better, when my son was about two and a half, I started blogging under the medicated mommy just to share the intimate details of what I went through from what I was feeling to when I spoke up and said something to the first therapist I saw to starting antidepressants for the first time to quitting breastfeeding because it didn't work, you know, and things like that. And that just kind of snowballed into other people reacting and responding with their own stories and getting, you know, um, some publishing gigs and other media outlets. And then that kind of naturally organically transformed into what you see motherhood understood is today where we share stories written by other women and we provide resources and education and connection and support to women and their families going through the same thing or ideally before the baby comes so we can prepare Mm -hmm. them in the event that something does happen 
they can get help right away. Because for me, I called a scavenger hunt. When I, I spoke up, I told my mom who was staying with us, she's a therapist, that something was wrong. You know, something was wrong. I didn't want to be a mom. I was having these scary thoughts about wanting to get hurt and go back to the hospital. So I didn't have to take care of a baby. And that led us to calling my OB to her putting me on medication, but not wanting to diagnose me within two weeks because it could be baby blues to then Mm. that medication not working. And then to seeing a therapist who had no idea what postpartum depression was and making me feel worse until I found a specialist. But, you know, I had to jump through all these hoops and I really feel like if I had gotten the right help faster, I would have gotten better quicker and I would have missed less milestones in my son's first year because I really didn't start to see myself again till six months postpartum and really didn't feel like I was on the other side until a year. And I wanted to prevent that for even if it was one mother, you know, one mother that came after me. And that's really what led to motherhood understood. Man, I mean, your story is, it resonates so well with me. So I know it's, I mean, of course it's resonating with so many other women. It took a lot of bravery, honestly, to keep pushing, to keep searching on that scavenger hunt. What was it, do you think, that was still driving you when when this doctor said, you know, oh, you're just crazy or, oh, it's just this or that? What was it inside of you that was like, no, listen, listen to me? Like what kept pushing you? So I think it was two things. I think one, my mom being very involved um, and, you know, being very much like, no one's going to let you stay feeling like this. We're not going to, we're going to figure this out. And I think two, the feeling was so, the feelings were so bad, the the crying and not being able to get out of bed, but the anxiety, I think the anxiety of, of like having an elephant feel like it's sitting on your chest and just not sleeping and all of those things were, it was so bad. I would have done anything to make it go away. So if you told me that I had to go to a center and check in, I would have done it. If you told me, take this pill, it'll make it all go away. I would have done it in that, in those moments, I literally would have done anything to make it stop. And so I think that that kind of fueled me to get to the right place. And again, I was lucky. So the first therapist I saw was just a family therapist. You know, I didn't know how imperative it is to see a, you know, a a therapist who specializes in pregnancy and postpartum mood disorders, but she just wanted to talk about what I could do to be a good mom. And I was kind of like, but I don't want to be a mom at all. And it Mm -hmm. made me feel worse. So when I got home and this was before, you know, Instagram wasn't really a big thing yet. You know, there was Facebook, but social media still wasn't, you know, our go-to end-all be-all type of thing, you know? And so I just Googled um, postpartum depression therapist, Charlotte, North Carolina. And luckily one woman came up. Wow. And I called her that day. I think it was a Sunday. And she called me back the next day, Monday, fit me in Tuesday. And that was just... I guess it was like a light bulb moment and, you know, sitting in her office where she gave me a list of risk factors, many of which I had that I had no idea risk factors were even a thing. And, and simple things like, did you move right before the baby? Mm -hmm. Are you like a type a high functioning person, you know, things you don't think about. And then she clued me into the fact that she has treated hundreds and hundreds of women just like me. So in those moments I knew, okay, I had a diagnosis. I, it wasn't my fault, right? There were things that led to this and I wasn't alone. 
And so even though it would be kind of almost a full year of, you know, working to get better, finding that person. Um, and luckily I found her, you know, I want to say two months postpartum, but yeah. it was still, that's two months wasted, you know? Yeah. Like think about how long the days are, you know, in those early, right. early days. Right. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the other risk factors? Because I think a lot of women, there's a lot of pregnant women listening to the show. What can they do to prepare themselves? What can they, what can you put on their radar? Because like the moving, I didn't know that, you know, I mean, it makes sense right. now, but like you wouldn't even think about that. Right. So there's, you know, there's the big one. Like if you have a history or a family history of mental illness, you know, anxiety or depression in your family, you're higher risk, you know, and and they don't always tell you that like in your intake form, right? You know, like when you go to your OB and stuff like that, they don't always ask that. So, you know, that's a big one. You know, also if you, you know, have issues with your partner, you know, and then the other one, how much support do you have? Are you, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily live where our parents live anymore. Like, you know, back that was back in the day. So are you isolated? You know, do you live in a place where you don't have a lot of support? Um, moving right before the baby was one, um, a long labor was another one. And mm. I labored for 24 hours, pushed mm. for two and then had a C-section. Mm. And also, again, something you don't know, right. You only know what you know, you know, so there were these things also, again, I said, being a type a high functioning person, you know, I was a teacher. I'm very organized. I like to make lists, you know, these things seem silly, but when you think about it, um, and my therapist used to say, you know, John, your coping mechanisms have worked up until this point and they're mm -hmm. not bad. They've gotten you this far. It's just that as someone who's very high functioning, they don't work when you have a baby. When you have mm -hmm. a baby, for all of us who, you know, it's like we succeed at life. Like we, we kill the presentation. We, you know, get into the school we want to go to. We do all these things. We accomplish. We're overachievers. And then we have a baby and we can't overachieve it's a, You can't overachieve that. And so you're like, well, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And then you feel the shame and then you kind of go inward. And so the type A thing is a big thing. And I like to talk about it a lot because I feel like those women get um, pushed be below the cracks. Those women often yeah. fall through the cracks because they don't realize that what's going on is that they're experiencing, whether it's depression or anxiety and you can't just go make a to-do list. This episode is also brought to you by Lugs. Lugs is a brand you probably remember it started back in the 90s, but they've never wavered from having their pulse on what is stylish and also realistically priced. I wore the boots today on my trip to Costco because why else do you leave the house? And it was so cute. It totally uplifted my entire outfit. I felt like I was kind of on a runway in a lot of ways because it was just so chic and so cute with what I was wearing. And I was actually wearing leggings with it. So it's surprising that I felt so, I don't know, so chic, but that's kind of the beauty of the brand. And if you use my code unstressed, that will save you 30% off at lugs.com. That's L-U-G-Z.com. And just something that I want you to remember about the brand. It's a great brand, not just for you, but for the entire family. So they're stylish, realistically priced and great for everyday wear. And one, another thing that I think is really important is that they're really comfortable. So not only are you going to feel cute when you go out to the grocery store or wherever you're going, but you're also going to feel comfortable and chic at the same time. So be sure to head on over to lugs.com and use my code unstressed to save. You can't just go make a to-do list or right. organize your closet or write a kick-ass presentation. These things don't work anymore when the baby comes. And so we need new, you know, we need new coping mechanisms and new tools 
Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of that too is like the ego, you know, the woman who is right. kicking ass her whole entire life, you know, killing it on the soccer field, killing the presentation at work. Like you have this persona about yourself. Like I am strong. I am capable. I don't need right. any other outside help. So that's even like makes it right. harder to, to ask for help. Right. And to eat, right. To accept and even want it. Right. And the baby kind of comes and it's like a bomb that like blows all that stuff yeah. up. You know, I mean, I, I really think that, and you're just left like bare with, out knowing what to do. And so I really think that even if you, you can't prevent any of this from happening, but you can minimize it in the sense that you can know what to look for and what to do and know that it's common. So you don't have to feel the shame and speaking up and saying, Hey, wait a second, something's not right. Or I'm not feeling as much joy as I thought, or you know, this really is whatever this is. I don't know what it is. And it doesn't have to be an official diagnosis, but whatever these feelings are, they're really impacting my day to day. They're really getting in the way of me just functioning as a person. You wouldn't feel shame saying that. Right. Okay. So is that, is that kind of the hallmark for the woman listening to this who, who's maybe on the fence? I'm not really sure if this is, I, I need to actually go out and seek help. What, what is the pushing point where it's like, okay, yeah, this is a problem. Is it just, I can't function during the day at all? Or am I getting through the day, but I just feel terrible. Right. There are, I, this is like, this is probably the most common question. Like, how do I know? And we have, um, a manual on our, on our website that you can get that also can help you figure out how you're feeling and if it does need more serious attention. But I think the most common question is how do you know what are just normal new mom feelings, right? And what needs more attention? And I think the big ones are, you know, ask yourself, how, are you having more good moments or more bad moments than good moments? And I think the real, the real gauge is how is this impacting my daily functioning? You know, am I able to get out of bed and take a shower, take care, not just my baby, but myself. Do I want to, right? And is my joy gone? Like, am I finding, do I find joy in the things I didn't find joy in? You know, the the intensity and the impact of it, I think is what to look out for. Mm. You know, my OB wouldn't diagnose me with postpartum depression and anxiety in those first two weeks because, you know, they, they call it baby blues and a lot of 80% of baby blues cases revolve. Um, resolve on their own. But my feelings, and my mom would tell you as a therapist too, my feelings were so intense and impacting me to the point where I wouldn't leave the house unless I was forced to. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't get out of bed that there's no way it was just baby blues. It it needed some serious attention. So really think about the intensity and the impact it's having. And look, even if it's mild or you're just not sure it never hurts. Having a baby, you know, is mind and body shattering no matter what. So even it it can't hurt to just call a therapist that specializes in maternal mental health, even if you just want to talk to someone, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be diagnosed or given medication. But I I think um, all of us need to really hone in on our mental health after we have a baby, whether we feel great or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you talk about that so much. You talk about mental health. You talk about checking in with yourself first, putting yourself first. Have you experienced some first? (laughs) Yeah. I love your apparel line. I'm going to order my shirt. Have you experienced a lot of backlash um, from, from the online community? Like, oh, you're being selfish. I mean, it's that, that age old thing. Oh, you know, as a mom, you should be putting yourself last. You shouldn't have been a mom if you didn't know that this is what you were getting into. Like, how do you handle that? Cause that's gotta be 
a daily thing. So it's funny. So what I found, which is always has blown me away about the MU community is how supportive they are of me and of each other. We have very, very low instances of mom shaming. Once in a while, you do get the occasional, you know, troll or someone who, you know, will say something like, well, you know, this is selfish or like, how could you be depressed when you have a child? You know, you know, things like that, the backlash like that. And then usually I don't even have to say anything. (laughs) Other people kind of jump in and do it Mm -hmm. for me. I think every now and then you do, but I'm on this mission to really reframe what the definition of selfish, right. Looks like, and what putting mama first looks like. So I, look, I'm eight years postpartum. It's taken time, but I've really gotten to this point where I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's the other thing we have to get to this point where we don't care what other people think, because we're the only ones that know what's best. And I have seen more and more lately parents, moms and dads really promoting when you put yourself first and you make sure your own needs are met, you're a better parent. You're a better partner. You're a better person. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can just keep normalizing these things because honestly, if, if mom's not okay, nobody's okay. Right. I mean, I think that also, and also too, I like to think, you know, we're modeling it for our kids for when they're older too. We really need, I mean, the, it's so cliche, but right. We really need to pour from the full cup. Yeah. And I want my child to know that too. So I've gotten to this place where I take what I need. I don't ask for permission. You know, if I, and it could be as simple as I'm going out to dinner with a friend, I'll say to my husband, you know, I'll make sure he's not working late, you know, or, you know, has a business meeting or something, but I won't say, Hey, is it okay if I go do this? I'll say I'm having dinner with Lauren on Thursday at 7.15. So I need you to be home by 6.30. Or I remember talking a lot about this um, at first during the pandemic when we were more in lockdown and things like that. And I mean, we still are going crazy, I feel like, you know, but the initial of, you know, everything falling on us and being the gym teacher, the school teacher, you know, the the guidance counselor, the chef, you know, things like that, and just needing to get out. And I would go in my car and go drive and blast (laughs) the music or go for a walk. And I remember talking to moms who would, you know, would complain that their husbands would be in a meeting and no one would interrupt and things like that. And they would, I need to go for a walk. And I would say, well, why don't you just leave and go for the walk? But my husband or whatever. And I said, no, I said, we have to, and it's a practice. We have to train ourselves to say, Hey honey, I'm going for a walk. I'll be back in an hour because everybody will be fine. Right. 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 We have to learn to women, women, we just, we do, we ask permission, men just bulldoze through. And I'm not saying we have to become, you know, more masculine. I just think we have to learn that we don't need permission and it's okay to just say, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You're in charge of dinner. And of course, and we talk a lot about this too. The other side of that coin is you then have to let them give the kids whatever they're going to give them for dinner. Yes. You you can't micromanage if you're going to go and, you know, do your thing. And I talk a lot about that too, especially as my child is older, but I, I, again, think all this is about mental health. You know, all of this is about mental health. But if I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk and my husband gives 
my son both M&Ms for dinner. <laughs> that has, but that has to be okay, right? You know, yeah, you can't say anything. And it's funny because I'm probably the parent that's more likely to give the bowl of <laughs> M&Ms. But no, I mean, if if you're like, I'm, you can't, you ha- and it will be better for you and your mental health in the long run to just be able to leave the house and not even think about it, you know, versus I'm going to go for a walk now. This is in the fridge. This is how you do this. This is what time it has to be done. Let them do their thing. Yeah. I mean, God, it's 2021 though. Like, why are we still having this conversation? Why are we like giving these moms these little hacks and they're like, I know, I know. And then they still don't do it. Like, why is this still such an issue? Are we just so socialized to be givers and martyrs? I mean, what do you think that is? Cause it's like, it, it can't continue. Like it's not sustainable. I know. I, I think part of it is that we're very much wired that way. And it's how I, I think culture and society, right. Has brought us up over time, right. Moms were always, you know, moms were the, they're the women were the self, you know, we're self-sacrificing and, and things like that. And I think as when you become a mom, right, you are supposed to sacrifice everything, for your child. And it's, to me, it's almost become like, you're a martyr when you do that now. You know, I, yeah. I think about Glennon Doyle's book Untamed, which is such a good one. And she talks a lot about this, about how, when she realized like she couldn't be a martyr for motherhood anymore. And I think, yeah, I, I think it's just, we're conditioned to it, both men and women. And I think men have to buy into it also. You know, my and however that works, you know, I think with my partner, we have an interesting dynamic because from day one, he was parenting for both of us in many ways because I couldn't. And and don't get me wrong, we had help. We had a baby nurse and our parents would come and help and our, our sisters and our aunts, you know, everybody would come and pitch in because Jen couldn't get out of bed, you know, and, and be alone with the baby. So he really was doing a lot um, initially, but I think it's a conversation you have with your spouse about, you know, expectations and what you need. I know Eve Rodsky talks a lot about this with fair play and just as for, I almost think it's, it's forgetting about the world around you and like really like honing in on the two of you, you and your partner. And then maybe just having a conversation about what works best for you, but it's true. I mean, the fact that we're still having to deal with this also, look, I think our own moms and their moms, were raised like this too. And so sometimes you could get, you could get shame from your own mom about putting yourself first. And it's not that they're trying to be rude or it's coming from a, you know, it seems judgy, but I think it's just how that they were, how they were wired. It's how they were brought up. It's not coming from a bad place. They just don't know any difference. So I think there's a lot of that too. What I will say is I have most of my mom friends, are very similar in view of this to me. Um, Not that you shouldn't have friends with different, you know, views, but what I have found is when you have like your close, you know, little mom tribe and your group of friends, when you meet people who have those similar views, like they also, I'm going to dinner, I need you to be home or things like that. That helps too when you're surrounded Mm -hmm. by other moms who kind of support that idea and you can help each other get to that point. You know, like I could say to my friend, you know, she was upset last night that when she got home, her kids weren't going to be asleep. And I was like, Oh, my child is asleep. My husband, like when I get home from part of the great thing about going for girls night out is when I come home, 
my child's asleep because my husband put them to sleep, right? They're capable. They can do it. Mm -hmm. And hers does too. But last night they weren't. And I could say to her, oh no, like you need to rein that in. And she's like, oh, I know. Like it's, and it's not a judgy thing, right? It's not a. Yeah. Otherwise she wouldn't have told you. Right. So I think who we surround ourselves with also can help maybe, you know, change this a little bit, but yeah, it's super, it's super frustrating. Um, I think COVID really put a wrench in this though. Oh my God. Oh my God. I think it it put a magnifying glass on issues that were already there, good and bad, and then just turned up the heat, you know? Right. Because also too, I think it's not just putting ourselves last in the sense that we do everything for our, our child first. And that could be as simple as making all the meals or, you know, when their clothes get small, we're the ones that go through everything and order new clothes things like that. But I feel like, and I've had this conversation before, we're also women. The mothers are the emotional barometer, I think, for the house Mm -hmm. and for their family unit. So on top of doing all the things and then the things we feel, we also carry the emotions like of the households, of the kids and things like that. And all of that was compounded so much these last 18 months. And I think it's, yes, it's the magnifying glass for sure. I mean, it's crazy for me to think about like how much women of this country, of the world have have been through. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we all had some element of PTSD at this point, oh <laughs> like shared God. trauma um, just from everything. And and yet here we are, you know, and there's there's women like you out there who's putting out this kind of content, you know, let's talk about your show because that's really, I think, a big piece of what you do, of how you reach women and talk about mental health and uplift them, even during times of COVID. <laughs> how, did, how did the podcast start and how has it changed your life? Because I know this show has absolutely changed mine. So it's interesting. So I started doing, and there, I started doing lives last year. I thought, you know, I know a lot of mom, I know a lot of moms. I've met a lot of, you know, amazing women through this work. And I just want to talk to them. And I felt like during the pandemic, I was doing lives every now and then. I also felt super burnt out, you know, and, but I was doing lives every now and then because I felt like we needed a check-in. We needed, we needed to talk about how we're managing our mental health during this crazy time. So I would talk to experts and therapists and different people. And then, you know, as things I mean, it's still nothing is normal anymore, I feel like. But as things started to open and, you know, things like that, I thought maybe I'll do a regular, you know, a regular weekly show. So I, you know, I chose to do it on Instagram because that's where most of my community is. And I just felt like I just want to bring a mom on that I love, you know, whether they're a blogger or an expert or whatever. And I just want to talk. I just want to talk for 30 minutes. It's so they're short, they're 30 minutes because I really felt like we were all kind of like zoomed out. Yeah. You know, we were all kind of self-helped out by the end (laughs) of 2020 going into 2021. And I just wanted to talk and have fun and, you know, have conversations, real fun conversations with moms that I liked. And some of them I knew from previous things. Some of them I just reached out blindly to. And it's been really great because I think, you know, not only is it a way to go, you know, face to face with your community, but we just talked about so many different things and even down to having, you know, like a silly lightning round at the end where, you know, they would just answer questions rapid fire. I, I think it was just a nice 30 minute break from the day, mm-hmm. which could be so serious. And every now and then, so my last, my last episode of the season, I spoke with Dr. Tracy D 
you know, and so that was more relationship based. So every now and then I would bring an expert on and we would really focus on something that probably was something that needed to be talked about with what happened in the last year. But overall, they were just kind of a conversation between two friends, like, or like a, right. Like if you were like texting with a friend, but with an audience. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel like it's, it's just, it's nice to take a minute out of your day and connect with another woman. Um, especially when there's synergy in your work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's expanding for everyone. I mean, the listeners is absolutely involved in that too. You know, like when you hear back from, from people who've watched your lives and who've been impacted, I mean, how does that, how do you not just want to do this, this work all the time? I mean, I know you took a break this summer, which I think (laughs) is fantastic, but how do you not, I mean, when you hear the impact and you read the impact that you're making, I mean, what does that feel like in your body? Right. It's funny. The best part about this work is, well, there's two, right? The best part is one, I've met so many awesome people who some have been become close friends that I would have never met had we not had Instagram or, and, and what the funny thing is some of us had postpartum depression or anxiety at the same time because Mm. our kids were the same age and we always say we would kill to have been friends back then right because we were going through the same thing but the best part are the messages right so I get messages a lot saying hey your campaign or I watched your show and I told my husband how I was feeling and we're calling the therapist tomorrow Mm. or your post that you just did or the story you just posted I'm going to take the antidepressant that I was scared to take, or, you know, those are the best. Those are the, that's the best part about this. Cause I said, even if I had was able to just help one woman. Yeah. So that definitely is the best part. And I did, I took a, I took a little break. I'm planning to bring the show back. I'm thinking early October. Um, and I'm playing with, if I'm going to keep it on live or go full fledged podcast. So I'm, I'm still, I write, I'm, I'm still toying with that. It'll probably start off as live because it's just it's simpler and I did I took a break for the summer June July and August I'm I'm gonna add I'm doing a little bit of work in September but I'm gonna add September I haven't really announced that yet but I'm gonna add September and that because it just feels right where I'm not really posting I'm not posting new stories not doing many lives but I just felt burnt out um, burnt out, tired, uninspired. Mm -hmm. And not because this work makes me feel like that. It's just was the last 18 months. Yeah. You know, I really think, um, I just had this desire to kind of go inward, really focus on myself and some deep self love. I just, I just finished Gabby Bernstein's 21 day meditation challenge, which is Mm -hmm. something I never would have signed up for. (laughs) And I'm still doing, I'm still doing it. I'm still going. And it's been past 21 days. I just felt like it was a good time to, you know, it was the summer, you know, to pull back and really take care of myself. And I was nervous because again, like we all live on social media, you know, I, it's taken, I have a lot of work to build a community on social media and I was nervous, but the, so I was very, everybody was very supportive. We'll be here when you get back. Like, mm. so happy to see you doing what you tell us to do all the time. Right, exactly. Things, you know, things like that. My, I mean, it's like stupid, but like my follower count didn't really go down. Like, you know, it's, you know, things you think about when you're mm-hmm. nervous to leave the thing that you do day in and day out. So I think I'm excited about what's in store for when I come back. 
Yeah. Fully inspired. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Reinvigorated. I totally, totally resonate with that. I mean, really everything that you do. Um, okay. So we're, we're all, well, man, we're over time, but if there were one thing that you would want the woman listening to this to really embody, to really remember from Jen Schwartz, what would that be? I think it would be to find your people find one or two other moms that you can be your complete, true and authentic self with, especially now when we're still isolated and, you know, life is in the world is just not normal. And we're still living in the pandemic. These people will literally help you through my texts, my texts and my phone calls and my FaceTimes and even going out with these types of mom friends that I have literally have gotten me through the past 18 months. And also if you are pregnant or you're a new mom and you're struggling or you're suffering, please, please, please speak up, ask for help because know that these feelings are, they're not normal, but they're common and they get better. And if you don't know where to go or where to start, send me a DM, send motherhood at motherhood understood a DM. I answer all of them and I can help you I can point you in the right direction to getting help. Um, I do it all the time, but please, please don't suffer in silence and know that these things are treatable and temporary and you must, must see a specialist. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for being Thank vulnerable you. with your story and, and doing this work day in and day out. Cause I know how hard it is. So mm-hmm. I think so many more women, women who haven't even gotten pregnant yet are going to benefit from your work. So truly from the bottom of my heart, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for having me. Thank Absolutely. You. you have been listening to the motherhood unstressed podcast. Please be sure to rate review and subscribe to this podcast.